I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And that'll do it. The Syracuse Orange come to Blacksburg, Virginia and win a thriller. Well, there you have it. Syracuse beats Virginia Tech 71-69 to with a great defensive play call at the end to move Elijah Hughes to the top of the zone and thwart that Landers Nolly 3. You all saw it. You all remember it if you watched the game. And I can guarantee you, James, that if they did not have a guy reaching out on that shooter there, and I don't think Joe Girard could have, that shot's going in. Because he hit a shot from that exact point earlier in the game. That guy's a good enough shooter. I know that shot's going through the bucket. And we're talking about an earth-shattering loss. Or at least a massive opportunity lost in that one. Back-to-back Quadrant 1 wins in the state of Virginia. Yeah, we didn't talk about the Virginia game either, huh? Back to It's been a while since we popped. But back-to-back Q1 wins with a BC win sandwich in between. And as you noted, shout out to Mike Waters, man, because I, I didn't even realize that, that Jim moved Elijah to the top of the zone that last play. I admittedly didn't even realize it. And Nolly comes down with a serious case of hero ball, chucks up a 30-foot brick off the backboard. Syracuse lucky that they didn't give up an offensive rebound there. Dolajai comes away with it. Oh, that's fouled. right. It bounced right <laughs> off Sadibe. It's there for the taking, and Dolajai scooped it up. Yeah, because there was about 1.8 seconds for a putback or foul to happen in there. No doubt, which, you know, if they would have come up with it, I would have been close. I don't know. But, yeah, a much-needed win. Uh, I think the Syracuse fan base probably would have collapsed had that shot gone in or had they gotten an offensive. I was just waiting for it because they did lose the second half. They were giving up threes. They gave up 6 of 10 from three to start the half, and that's a tough team to hold down from three. I'd say they're probably a top-five shooting team in the conference, especially with some of the emergence they've had. And how about Jalen Cohn lighting them up for nine points early in the first half again? Cohn comes in. He's a bucket getter. I I think he really got started in that first Syracuse game and then he's played Those well. Those are the since. only two games that he's killed it this year. Yep. And, you know, of course, Mike Young gives him the start against SU. And, you know, he comes out comes out firing, man. Shoot or shoot. Um, definitely a much-needed win for Syracuse, though. And they'll see if they can get another Quadrant 1 win at Notre Dame on a Wednesday. That would be a Q1, huh? Well, interestingly enough, Notre Dame's currently 74. So if they beat Notre Dame, that could put put them past 75 and into quadrant two funny how that works and they actually going into south bend last year were in the same situation and they ended up winning the game at notre dame and the win pushed notre dame to quadrant two after they lost 
So w- on the road, it's top 75. 75. Yes. Ends up being a quadrant one win. So if Notre Dame's right on the edge right there, I'm going to take a quick look at it. I mean, Louisville on the road certainly would be one. Florida State on the road would be one. I'm trying yep. to see who else in the conference would. Pittsburgh on the road, Pittsburgh 69. Clemson is at 75 right now, so that would technically still be quadrant one. And Virginia Tech would really have to slide to fall out of there. I mean, they're at 44 right now. Uh, Virginia's hanging on by a thread. I mean, they just look so bad right now that I can't see that win being a, a great one by the end of the year. But either way, big credit for them for winning that one. I was infuriated by the way they finished that game. I thought they were going to blow it into overtime, and then they come out and hit five threes. I mean, or four threes right in that opening sequence because they had uh, 20 in the overtime period. So they had quite a few threes. Buddy Beheim led the charge. And, man, didn't expect him to reach 20-point-per-game status into conference play, but here we are. He's hitting runners. He's hitting fadeaways on the baseline. And he's just drilling threes at a methodical level. Yeah, we, we all knew Buddy Beheim was an elite shooter. And coming into the year, I don't think if you told me he was going to be top five in the country in makes uh, – it might have been possible, but I would have said that was a stretch, and he's done that. But what we've seen more and more over the past few weeks is him taking it off the bounce, you know, especially in, in the Virginia Tech game, you know, really looking to get to that mid-range level, pull up and hit over his defender. And a couple times, you know, once against BC and once against Virginia Tech, he got all the way to the rim and finished. So we're starting to see more and more out of Buddy. We're starting to see his game unravel. And confidence at an all-time high going back the other end of the court against Virginia Tech saying he can't guard me. He can't guard me the most. I don't think we've seen him be that, you know, expressive this year. He did a little bit at against Pittsburgh in the ACC tournament last year. I think that was the first time we saw it, but you know, against Virginia tech saying he can't guard me. That's, that's a different level of expression out of buddy. (laughs) So we're going to talk to the Q's militia guys today on the show. I do want to talk about the defensive improvements because I look at buddy Bayheim among the leaders in the ACC Top five now in scoring, and when you look at the leading shooters in the conference, only him, Hughes, Nora, and Landers Nolly among the top echelon scorers have been doing it, and um, you know John Mooney to some degree too have done it by just taking a massive amount of shots, fourteen a game or over, and among them, you know Beheim's the only guy aside from Nora hitting forty percent of their threes. You know, uh, Michael DeVoe with Georgia Tech has missed some games. He's doing a little bit of a lower volume. But then I look at Nolly and what he's done with Virginia Tech, 38%. You know, I expected him to hit that shot at the end of the game if they didn't get a handout on him. But overall, through two games, don't you think they did a pretty good job holding him out from what he's done otherwise this year? And I think that embodies more than anything the slight defensive improvements we've seen through conference play. No doubt, and I was gonna I was gonna point that out earlier too. But Nolly has struggled against Syracuse, and he's you know granted he's a redshirt freshman, it's his first year, but they they've done a really nice job on him. And something we've seen out of the zone against Virginia, Syracuse really played down. Um, asking Elijah Hughes about it after the game, I said you know were, were you guys really trying to play lower and let them shoot? And he didn't answer it. Exactly, but he said, you know, we were really worried about Mamadi and Jay Huff down there. So you saw the zone play low um, and basically said, if Virginia's going to beat us, 
let's let's force them to make shots. Oh, so Clark took bit... so many threes and bricked them up. <laughs> <laughs> no, none more uh, emblematic than Kihei Clark's brick at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, you know, I think in in Virginia Tech, same sort of deal. Um, you know, they read the scout when Howard Washington came in. They really backed off a of bidet. Um, you know, they they were giving him that jump shot. He did make one in the second half, but they were backing off him and playing the other guys. And, yeah, I thought they did a great job on Nolly, and he's really struggled in the two games that he's played against Syracuse. Yeah, maybe it is the fact. I mean, he's played the high post against most teams this year. I remember talking to Mike Young about that after the first game, and as well as Nolly and uh, Jalen Cohn were talking about the approach that they had against Syracuse. So they yep. switched Bidet and Nolly, putting Bidet in the high post and leaving Nolly, you know, sort of at the top of the arc there. So maybe that you know, put him in a much different position than he's been in other, in other games. But, you know, I'll give Sadibe credit even for getting into Bidet, using the nearly foot that he has on him and preventing him from doing a whole lot of damage in there because he did do it in the first game. Hit a couple more shots in this one, but he wasn't as lethal spreading out to the perimeters as he was in that first game. So Sadibe even a little bit of credit in this one. Hit a couple shots inside too. You know, he did his job for 16 minutes. Besides the beating that he took for not getting through that screen to the corner shooter. <laughs> oh, man, that's a big ask for him to go. And, you know, that's the center's job in the zone. You have to be able to get to the high post, um, take that away, and you have to be able to stretch to the corner as well. Um, you know, Barama, he's pretty much going to give you what he's going to give you, I think, at this point. Um, but if he can, you know, I think the word is serviceable. If he can give you serviceable minutes from the center spot, um, I think that's pretty good, and you're just going to have to rely on the other guys to give you some sort of offense and, and help a little bit defensively. All right, so we're going to bring our guests in. You want to introduce them a little bit, if, if yeah, they need any? The Cuse Militia guys, um, absolute legends. Uh, I've said it before, but I think the best the best Syracuse podcast um, on Syracuse sports, of course, you know, I like Noons, I like what we do, but we're kind of newer to the game. Uh, John, John's been at it a while, but, you know, this is really our first year for all intents and purposes. Um, so we're going to bring them on, uh, Sean and Joe. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with them. Um, you know, really good, um, really entertaining and insightful pod. So we're going to bring those guys on. Um, shout out to East Syracuse. Shout out Sean and Joe. Uh, let's do it. Let's bring them on. We go to the Troy Noons is an absolute magician guest line brought to you in part by Wegmans and Food Lion. Those <laughs> you got you to pick <laughs> Those one. aren't our real spots. We could only hope. <laughs> Great, a little rap over there. Uh, we bring on Sean and Joe G. Uh, not not that Joe G. Uh, he's actually actually Lance. I just learned, <laughs> which uh, we get into that. But. I wish I had that jumper. <laughs> uh, we bring on Sean and Joe from Cuse Militia. Um, follow them on Twitter at Cuse Militia. They're on IG as well. Hit them on the gram. Uh, they're doing some good stuff. Uh, greatest Syracuse sports podcast out there right now. I'll go on. I'll go on. Oh, I'll say. Geez. It. All right. And we got a crossover edition for the first time. So we've been we've been meaning to do it. Uh, we bring on the guys, Cuse Militia, brought to you in part by Blue Chew and my bookie. Popping Blue Chews, drinking beers. That's what we do. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> How you guys doing? Man? Good to have you Hey, on. awesome. Thank you so much for having us, really, because um, before there was a Cuse Militia podcast, I, I'm i pretty sure Joe did, too, but we listened to Noons back in the day. I mean, yeah. that's kind of – that was like the only one. It was yeah. like the, the OG. So uh, we appreciate having you having us on, and um, we love having you on, James. And um, it's great. This is this is like a bucket list check mark for us. Wow! Wow! High praise. Uh, we got to give credit to to Sean and, and John, obviously, for running things at noons and 
you know, making it what it oh, is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, but, let's waste no time. That game against Virginia Tech, we needed that. We all needed that. And it wasn't the cleanest, smoothest second half, but I said this right going into that game. I wasn't going to pick Syracuse again in any game this season until I saw them close a game, and they finally did it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, you could definitely maybe question some of those last possessions and some of those last shots, but like <laughs> you said, uh, we, we finally did it, and uh, we've been pretty solid on the road, Bobby. I mean, we've we've got two three, well, three losses in the ACC, and we've had uh, redemption for two of them, so that one was huge, and uh, Buddy, God, you can't say enough about Buddy, man, really. <laughs> did anyone in this room expect – Buddy Bayheim to even approach the level we've seen him this last week or two where he's scoring, I don't know, 25 points a game, I think I saw. Yeah, not where he's not where he's like leading this team, like leading the charge during some of these games and really getting it going. Um, it's nice to have after Tyus leaving and having Hughes step up. But I didn't think Buddy would step into that role as quick. And um, it's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, he's <laughs> he's an animal. He's going to be something. Yeah, it's, it's funny you said Jim has said it a couple times this year, but he's really like a year ahead of schedule. And yeah. his his breakout, you know, freshman year in ACC play reminded me so much of what Andy Routens did in his sophomore year in Big East play. And really, I mean, he's the second best player on the team. You know, I think he's top five in the country in three point. We were so stupid, James, not <laughs> second on the team in scoring. He might be first in the team in scoring by the time it's done. We we picked Quincy. I think I had, I think I had Elijah Quincy and Buddy as the top three scores. Oh, yeah, we all well, had they... high praise with Quincy, right? We all <laughs> thought Quincy was going to be a little bit better at this point, but he's starting to step up. Those uh, rebounds. He came in the first half when uh, Sadibi yeah. got a earful for the however many game in a row from Jim Beheim, right? And, <laughs> and he came in and, and he, he rebounded like we thought he was and he was going to do it from the beginning. And, and that's definitely been, yeah. And to go to Buddy's point too, uh, not only the three-point shot, I think a lot of people thought, especially after last year, that he was just going to be that spot-up shooter. And he won the ACC Player of the Week. He was on Packer and Durham today. He had, a, uh, he had an interview with them, and, and a lot of it was he was talking about how he knew he was going to have to step his game up in these last couple games. He's proven just, I mean, taking it to the hole, taking his guys, making the layups, going to the free throw line and making that jumper. Uh, he's added elements to his game that make him more, way, way more than just a spot-up three-point shooter. Did you hear the broadcast when the announcer goes, Buddy Bayheim, hotter than a pepper sprout. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that a Johnny Cash lyric? I was like, what? It's a Johnny Cash and June Carter song lyric. Is it? Is it? Yeah. You might be the only one old enough to know that, Sean. But thank you, Joe. Thank you. We got we got a hand we got a handful of reminders. There was the coach's son too, which was a little more uh, (laughs) tough to handle throughout that one. But honestly, you know what I love about him? He hasn't had the greatest defensive season, and I've been giving him crap about that all year. You know, our friend Kevin Wallace over at the site has been on him all year about his defense. But I look at him at the top of the zone and what he does up there, and there's a lot more effort on his side than there is from Gerard sometimes. And I know Gerard's even more physically, um, I don't want to say in that, but doesn't have the physical tools to, you know, cover the range that he needs to out there. But Buddy gives a lot more effort than, you know, what we're getting on the other side out there. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, what, 6'6", six, six, so he's got <clears throat> a little bit more length than Joe Girard, and he did talk about how this past season he was working on his footwork and working on his agility and his speed and stuff like that to be able to close out on those shooters. And again, to your point, I think that was a reason why uh, Elijah Hughes was in there instead of Joe Girard for that last shot uh, with Landers Noly there at Virginia yeah. Tech. Um, Cause that gives, you know, a little bit more size up there. Uh, I think Joe Girard's going through those freshmen just woes that everybody does. And he's a little bit shorter. So it does give some of those taller shooters like Nolly uh, a little bit of, um, you know, some space to to shoot over that guy. So he'll get it. Well, we got Sidibe in, in trouble and you have Mark stepping up and we've been saying um, for the past, you know, probably, probably right before ACC play started in full swing, you know, he's going to have to be key to um, winning some of these games that, you know, he's these stupid fouls. I mean, these Mark fouls, they're like, um, you know, <laughs> completely, out of control you know it's like someone flung him out of a cannon sometimes and he's just my, slamming into things but you my, know my favorite one is when he's along the baseline and there's another guy like right along the baseline and he has possession and he'll come in and he'll hip check him but he'll keep his hands up and <laughs> the ref will clearly like he'll, he'll call him for it and miracle will just look at him like he's got five heads like my, my hands are up my hands are, it's like yeah that's the Sidibe move too, right? <laughs> Except for Sidibe doesn't have his hands up. No, he puts his hands out, and then when he gets a foul call, then he puts his hands up. Yeah. The whole team, his, whole bench, his whole bench is telling him, no, dude, hands up. You did not have your hands up. You According know it's bad Brown, when your bench is He hasn't you. fouled once this season because every time he's <laughs> he looks so surprised. It's like, dude, everybody knows. Like, Jalen Carey's on the bench laughing about it. It's almost just like bewildered. <laughs> Marek did only have one in this last game, though. He did. He, yeah. he, he, is being, he is being called on the play center probably 20 minutes a game. I'd say even 24 yeah. in this one yeah. with Quincy out there by his side. So he's holding up well out there. You know, I just love what he's done where he's lost a three-point shot, it looks like. It's not in his arsenal. And Jim actually did say, I want to say a week or two ago, that you know he can't take that shot anymore. So I think he's been banished from the perimeter. And he's using <laughs> good footwork, good touch. I want to say he had three floaters, either spinning or yeah. taking a hook shot or just doing something extremely skilled on the interior. And we'd see him drive there his freshman year. But we wouldn't see him posting up. They're not necessarily in you know, a traditional post-ups, but he is backing guys down and creating space for himself to, you know, get ten points. And if he has ten points alongside three other double-figure scorers, I mean, this team doesn't need to play that much defense to pull these games out, at least through the course of the game. In the closing minutes, it does have to lock down. Yeah, but and he's played great defense. I mean, he's taken the ball coast to coast more than anybody else, I think, on that team. Oh, he's, done he's, a, he's been great on the boards. I mean, he's yeah. been a godsend this year. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. finally clicking with him, I think. And just being careful about it is key, you know, because Sidibe is never going to get there. He, he He's never going to – what you see, I think, unfortunately, what you see is what you get. And I just don't think it's going to improve much. So he's out there to absorb some fouls, keep Gary A and, 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 and Mark out of trouble there, let Mark spend some time at forward where he should be, where he is best. 
and um, just hope for the best and whatever happens after that. Well, you know, yeah. anything's a bonus, you know. It, and me and Sean have talked about it, how Mark, he's not just a freshman role player anymore, right? Like, we need him to, to your point, the 10 points, the 10. He's almost got to be our automatic double-double guy, right? Just like a Mooney, maybe just not as many stats, right? But um, we still need to have some type of down-low scoring, at least the aggressiveness to try to get some of these guys in foul trouble and try to be able to score because we can't be just a three-point shooting jump shot team. Otherwise, we just turn into last year. Yeah, ultimately, it's going to have to be the transition game that pulls it out because that's where they're awesome. You know, I don't think this team's that great offensively in the half court. And they're getting into those sets more and more these last couple of weeks. I mean, this team's at its best. We saw it early on this year when they get a stop, secure that rebound and find a shooter on the perimeter. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, last year, sometimes watching it, it was almost painful, right? It was like we were trying to limit the possessions one on one, just run the shot clock down at least this year you, you can see we're trying to get more possessions because he knows that we have more scores and uh, that kind of goes to your point with the defenses we, we we don't have to have necessarily the best defense we just can't allow them to get the offensive rebounds the second chance points which I think we've shored up a little bit but uh, Beheim wants us to be able to like you said run out get the rebound go and actually maximize as many possessions as possible because when we get hot we get hot James, they're pulled down in the numbers by that Virginia opening game, but ultimately, let's say since the new year started, where do you see this team ranking among the ACC offenses? I know you do your rankings every week. You're looking across uh, the league. Uh, where where do they stand right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's up there. I think the biggest thing with the transition game is, yes, Syracuse has done really well in transition. Maybe that's their, their best offense, but what they've really struggled with up to this point is getting stops on the defensive end. You, know, you, you can't run unless you get stops because if the other team's scoring, you can't inbound the ball and get down the floor before they are. So, you know, you kind of have to generate steals. You kind of have to get stops and get rebounds and then look to run that way. But certainly when they do get out on the break, they're good. And then I, I think they can play in the half court. I mean, they, they've shown that, um, you know, against Virginia tech, I think, you saw a lot more, you know, one-on-one because Virginia Tech wasn't coming off shooters. So you're seeing Buddy get in there and hit in the mid-range. You're seeing a lot. Elijah didn't really hit shots until the end, but you saw him do that as well. Elijah's done that really all year. But you're seeing Buddy get in there and go one-on-one because his defender's staying with him. Um, so I, I think they've definitely grown offensively. And one player I want to touch on, too, is Howard Washington. And Joe girard has been great at this all season and not turning the ball over. Um, I think Syracuse is really tops in, in the ACC in that, that category along with Notre Dame. Um, and we can get to Notre Dame in a second as well. But um, they don't turn it over. And when you got a guy like Howard Washington, he comes in. He's not going to score a ton, but he's going to control tempo. He's going to run the offense. He's going to get guys involved, and he's going to play solid defense. Um, I thought he was as big of a key, you know, fueling that Buddy run. Obviously, Buddy made the shots, but Howard was setting him up, getting him in the right spots as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we hit on that a little bit. Uh, James, I'm right there with you, but you did see in the second half uh, they made a little bit of a defensive adjustment, and they kind of left Howard Washington yep. open a little bit, right? So yep. if he is going to – I mean, we can take advantage of that a little bit, but once the, the team kind of figures it out, they're going to make Howard Washington have to score or at least make the right move when he does have that you know opportunity as far as having the ball open. And uh, I would have liked to have seen him kind of pass up that three and maybe take it to the hole try to make something happen, right? Because um, we allowed them to basically dictate the shot that they wanted versus the shot that we wanted. So uh, that's just one little thing that we'd have to work on 
as we go forward. Um, but yeah, having Howard Washington in there, we've talked about it. He almost brings a calming sense to the the offense mm-hmm. when Joe does have that. You know, some of those breakdowns. I see Joe sometimes he makes some mistakes that he's not used to making, and sometimes he gets down on himself. And that's really when Howard Washington he can come in and kind of do what he did against Virginia Tech. Bayheim deserves a lot of credit, and I know John and Dan gave him plenty of due in their episode earlier this week. But not only that adjustment, putting Hughes at the top of the zone at the end of the game, maintaining the trust in the bench isn't something you'd expect him to do, and he has. I mean, he's been as bad as Quincy's been all year long, and he, he's gone as far as to say he's, he went to a he, game he, and all he did was shoot, even though he can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> After the Georgetown game, he, he said he was looking for anything out of Quincy. Yeah, yeah. and he also criticized his outside shots, too. And he said he's not supposed to be – he knows he's not supposed to be shooting from out there. Right? I got a good quote from him earlier in the year, too, where I, I was like, you know, what are they telling you in there? And he's like, they say I'm soft. But, <laughs> 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 so, you know, he's taking the blows like Sadibe has, and he's improved. He had the big and one in this game. So the faith has paid off in the bench. I mean, how it gives them defense, if anything. There's certainly offensive issues when it comes to scoring and how they can leave them out there, as you said. But defensively, they have options in Quincy, in Howard. They can make them a little bit defen- better defensively through the course of the game. And that's what they need is just to limit the damage on that end. Because honestly, I know there's a, a stat floating out there that their starting lineups been among the better plus-minus lineups in right. college basketball this year. But defensively, to me, they just look so weak. It's probably just because that offensive group is so good. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the defense has made some strides, I think. Um, you know, not anywhere near where Syracuse has been in recent years. Um, you know, I think Syracuse fans for, for years were pleading for a better offense, and, you know, they've gotten that this year. The offense is certainly there. Um, Elijah and Buddy definitely making shots, as we touched on. But the defense is coming along. Um, after the, the losing streak, the defense did slip out of the top 100 in Ken Palm. Um, it's bad. It's back within the top 100 after right. the past few games. Yep. So I think I think the defense is definitely making some strides. You're starting to see Buddy play a little bit better defensively. I think Gerard's been a little bit better defensively too. He does gamble a little bit out there. And um, he inside they, they started that to drives me crazy when he <laughs> That's that's football. That's the football on <laughs> him right there. That's him playing defensive back, trying to make those interceptions right. That that's that's kind of what he does. But yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Um, I've kind of followed Ken Palm as well. And, and the one thing that sticks out to me is, again, uh, the offense. I don't know the last time this offense was rated that high as far as adjusted efficiency, right? So usually it's the, the defense that, that carries us. So um, And to play devil's advocate, because that's what I do on our show, uh, <laughs> the last three teams that we've played have had yeah. limitations on offense in which we were allowed to yeah. game plan and actually implement a pretty good game plan defensively, whether – our 2-3 looked like a 4-1 coming out in Garden, Virginia Tech in Boston College, or whether we sunk down and just let Virginia – I mean, we wanted them right. to shoot. They didn't want to shoot, but that's right. kind of how we played, right? So I think our next team poses a different threat. Yes, and we know his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Print there hasn't, there <laughs> hasn't been that offensive rebounding force. There hasn't been that back line presence these last couple of games and now we're going to see it again. And honestly, I'm feeling awesome about where the team's at. You know, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that they could even make an ACC tournament run, but this matchup they're about to go into against a team that struggled, that would probably line up as a pretty bad loss, even on the road. And I think they could lose to this team again is Notre Dame. 
I mean, this is just a horrible matchup for them. Shooters who can spread them out to the perimeter, and then a backline guy who can kill them on the boards and on that back to or pass. Mooney might have a double, double, double. Easily <laughs> <laughs> get 20 and 25. <laughs> he's well. He's I mean, Mooney's fantastic. He's fantastic every game. What is he? He's He's got 12 straight in leading the team in rebounding. 12 games straight. I think he's 16 for 17 overall leading the team in rebounding. But then it's the, it's the, it's the double threat. It's the, it's, um, the you know, Prentice hub and TJ Gibbs being able to shoot. They killed us. Those three killed us for 71 points, 71 of 88 points last game. Those three guys. So, yeah. and then you so. wonder, you know, because it's a Syracuse thing and just seems to happen to us all the time. If you take care of one of these shooters, um, you know, who else goes off? Who's the no name, like the Jalen Cohn that just has a, has a, a, a you know, a, a career night against Syracuse because they're so worried yeah. about somebody else. Yeah. We call it the Rando. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love the quick turnaround on this too, because that was just such a brilliant game. There was that tension between Prentice Hub, Joe Girard. Yeah. You know, I've just been getting into it with the guys left and right here these last couple of games. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something renew on that end of the floor. It's just, I don't know how they even adjust game plan or do anything to keep this team off the board. I guess you just hope Mooney gets into some foul trouble, but he's only averaging like two fouls a game this year. He's not a big foul guy. He's just huge. That's yeah, why. well, I mean, I, I, some, I, look at to, I look at it as like Mooney's going to be Mooney. If you sit here and you worry too much about stopping Mooney, then you're going to yeah. forget about everything else, right? So I do think that we have to definitely attempt to try to get some of these guys in foul trouble. I thought that when we got Juwan Dermich foul trouble and eventually fouled him out, that helped our case uh, at home when we played against them. But as we brought up um, in our pregame, I think one of the biggest things, when I went back and looked at the uh, condensed game, 12 out of the 15 threes that – that they made were at the uh, the top corners, both left and right, both Prentice Hub and um, uh, T.J. Gibbs. And I think Lejewski made one as well. So they're going to shoot. But I, I would say one of the biggest things we need to worry about is running them off of their spots, knowing your opponent and where they like to shoot and making them shoot somewhere else. I think that's maybe one of those things that could be a make or break type situation with, I mean, I don't see both teams shooting the percentages, both making 15 threes like last time uh, that usually never happens in the redemption game. Um, so that's one thing that I think that could give us one leg up. But like you said, matchup is kind of bad and it's going to be a traditional two, three zone where they're going to get shots. Yeah, Joe, I agree with you as well, because Mooney, if, if you go back and you watch, watch the tape, a lot of his buckets were off dump downs or off offensive rebounds. You know him just getting sort of easy shots at the rim. Um, if you if you go out and you defend the shooters and take care of business, there those opportunities won't be there as much for Mooney. So I definitely think you have to focus on the perimeter attack more so there. Um, but yeah, to your point is you know is is Syracuse going to go out and shoot fifteen to thirty one? Well, they're they're capable of it, but are both teams really going to shoot it that well on the second second time around? I don't know. How much stock do you put into Notre Dame having a week off? And Joe likes to play devil's advocate on this but i mean the week off they're not the team that's traveling syracuse within that week they've had to um you know they've had to travel and this will be the second time so um edge Notre dame in my opinion joe you know he's got a good argument for why not but what do you guys think 
there's something about this team on the road, and we've now seen them win two straight ACC games. And I've seen this over the last couple of years, too. You know, I haven't done a big dive into the numbers, but they seem more comfortable within the flow of the offense, shooting, all that kind of stuff just seems to tick up on the road. And I know they have that real stinker at Georgetown that kind of pulls down that argument. Mm -hmm. But I do feel better about this team outside of their own house for some reason. I don't know if it's just the fact that you you can only focus on the game when you're on the road. You can't really go out and do your own thing outside of that or what other outside factors could play into that. But I felt better about this team, especially on the offensive side of the floor on the road. I mean, when's the last time they did something like they did against Georgia Tech at home? I can't remember it. Yeah. I mean, it could be, you know, the distraction of people standing and clapping at the beginning of every half. I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't bring that back up. Come on. Can we get you started? Killing me, Start- Smalls. Killing me. <laughs> Spark the old flame. But, uh, you know, who, who knows? But you're right. They've been awesome on the road, uh, minus the Georgetown game. But even that game wasn't terrible but that they weren't playing the way they're playing now either when they played georgetown i mean it's like when acc play goes full swing even last year with buddy when you look at him he didn't start hitting his stride until it was full conference play that's when and then he got even better when more pressure was on in the tournaments so i mean it's just kind of how they play they play up and down in their competition they've done it since i was a kid i always remember it like that so This is one they absolutely need, though, because the bad losses have piled up. I mean, they had to get the Virginia Tech game. That couldn't have been a sweep because I think Virginia Tech probably goes back to the mean by the end of the year. The Virginia win, I feel like, is going to sink quite a bit by the end of the year. I mean, that's just not going to end up being a top 25 win as it was. And I even look at a game like... You know, BC is going to end up being pretty bad by the end of the year. That one's just going to keep sinking. Like, the wins that they've gotten look like they're on a downward trajectory. And, you know, James, I'm not where, you know, John and Dan are to some degree where they just feel like every ACC win is just going to be pretty much useless because of the state of the conference. Like, one of these teams is probably going to end up exceeding expectations. But I don't think they can pile up as many bad losses as they have. I mean, Oklahoma State has just gone down the tube. Um, you know, Georgetown, I think, and that conference is going to. Mm-hmm. I don't I usually think great wins outweigh bad losses when it comes to the committee, uh, especially with the recency bias. But you can only have so many bad losses and they have quite a few. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like the one thing that does help the conference out is, and, you know, everybody knows the ACC is is down this year. And I think it'd be foolish to to say it's not. But there's been a lot of road the, – the road team has won a lot of these games. And given how that breaks down in the net, that actually helps the conference. So you can – in other words, if you that, if you win at home – That's so true. Yeah, how it breaks down in, in the net is a quadrant one win is one through 30 in the net at home mm-hmm. versus on the road it's one through 75. Yep. So, you know, I, I think I checked earlier this week and, and road this teams is... were 29 and 23 in ACC games. So that actually helps the conference a little bit. And then, you know, yeah, I mean, the Virginia game, that's already losing its luster. They lost to NC State earlier this week. Um, they've lost three out of their last four. So um, I, I definitely agree with you on Virginia Tech. I think they're going to slide a little bit in the net. But Virginia Tech, that's going to remain, you know, barring a complete collapse by them, that's going to remain a, a, a Q1 win the rest of the way just because they're they're 44 on the net. You know, they, they'd have to slide all the way down to 75 um, past 75, excuse me, to 76. 
and Virginia 63. So, that, you know, they could potentially slip into that, that Q2 category. Um, but, you know, the rest of the way, I think the most important thing is obviously getting wins is important, but I think at this point it's equally as important to, to not pile on more losses. And in the case of Syracuse, well, you know, in, in quadrant three and quadrant four games, they're 1-0 and and 7-0. and So they don't really have any quote-unquote bad losses, you know. I think the, the Georgetown, Oklahoma State, that has potential to, you know, maybe slip down there. But as of right now, they don't really have any bad losses. Yeah, and those are road-neutral games. That's a good point. You know, right. the, be- the best thing going for Syracuse this year might be the fact that, you know, the odds makers or whoever the decision makers of who gets in the march haven't adjusted to how you know home court advantage seems to be adjusting i mean i saw that ken palm tweet the other day that um, home teams have won just 59 percent of conference games across the country that's the third lowest of all time so especially in the acc there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of home field home court advantage so even if syracuse drops some bad ones at home they could gain so much by beating a florida state on the road a louisville on the road i mean they definitely have some big time games on the road and even some you know more poor teams like clemson who who a win like that could get boosted a little bit by the fact that it is on the road. Oh yeah, and when you look at it again, to to James' point, we haven't had a, a loss to a team that's not in a major conference, right? So, I really, we can say there's some bad losses, but there, there really isn't. If you don't yeah. have a quad three or a quad four loss, then that's really not a bad loss. The only issue is because of the, the state of the ACC, there's not a lot of quad one games out there to take, right? So that's why those those road games really are that that helpful and uh i think another thing too is the 20 the 20 uh conference games compared to 18 from last year right so we don't have those two extra gimmies on the non-conference schedule so that's where we need to get the wins but we don't know how the committee is going to adjust to strength the schedule i think our strength of schedule is going to be up there pretty high and uh this is kind of one of the more wildest uh college basketball seasons that i've seen as far as ranked teams losing and just Everybody is just, it seems to be just kind of average, mediocre. They can lose to anybody. Everybody any stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that, but you know that. I mean, yeah, if you watch it, I mean, every, you can watch every Saturday. Two, two three, four. Yeah. There's, ups- there's upsets all the time, man. It's crazy. That's college basketball, though. That's, what, that's why we love well, it. That's why we watch it. This year, it seems like I know, there's, it's weird. there's no, there's there's no yeah. R.J. Barrett. Should we play a little bit of buy, sell, hold to get you guys out of here? Oh, are you, do you think I'm going to say no to that? I don't know. <laughs> no, absolutely. If you got something, <laughs> James, bring it. Guilty. Right. <laughs> let's, let's do it. True to Keith's Militia Forum, we'll do some buy, sell, hold. Oh, I'll okay. start. We'll, we'll go through you guys. We'll do a kind of snake style. Um, I'll start. I'll ask the question. We'll go Sean, Joe, Bobby, and then I'll answer. And then Bobby, you can pick up on the next the next round of buy sell hold. Pick your own question. All right. Uh, so so I'll start buy sell hold. Syracuse wins at Notre Dame. Sean, hold. I want to watch the game first. That's a weak hold, bro. <laughs> you only get I'm, one. I'm gonna, I, look, I think we've gotten redemption two for two for two for redemption right now. It's hard to go three and three, but I'm I'm gonna buy. I'm going to buy. And I think it's it's the way that Syracuse has responded um, in the in the past couple of games against Virginia and uh, Virginia Tech 
And I'm just going to say they keep it going. I think the confidence is up and I, I like what I see. And, you know, you've got, I think Bayheim's starting to get into the niche of how he's going to coach this team from here on out. I think he's starting to feel it a little bit. I think he learned a little bit too coming in ACC play. So um, I'm confident that um, we're going to, we're going to see a, a good Syracuse team at the Joy Center. So, Joe. And uh, I am also going to buy, and that's only basically because uh, this is a different team than what Notre Dame saw even less than two weeks ago. Uh, the confidence that we have on the road, the confidence that we've gained just going to Virginia and, and winning those two redemption games, uh, I think we make it three for three, and that's that's pretty much it. I'm Bobby. I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell on John Mooney, on the matchup yeah. issues here. I am just being realistic that when we get too high, there's that crashing down that we always see. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a cycle. You're right, Bobby. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the cell as well. I think Mooney going to be a little bit too much in, inside. Uh, Sadibi, you know, Gary are probably going to get in a little bit of foul trouble in this game. And then Notre Dame too much from the perimeter. Um, I do look forward to the, the Prentice Hub-Joe Girard matchup, though. That should be fun. Fair enough. Uh, hey, we we do admit that we're biased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unapologetically. Yes. Unapologetically biased. That's right, James. <laughs> right. Bobby, your turn. You can pitch a, a buy-sell hold. All right. Are we going to buy, sell, or hold the possibility that I've been raising quite a bit the last two weeks that the surest road for Syracuse to get into the NCAA tournament this year is to win the ACC tournament. Let's say they can get there right around that four to six seed area right now, um, end up there around the time that the tournament starts, which is pretty good position, I'd say, right behind Florida State, uh, Duke, and Louisville. Could they, from that kind of position, go on a run, win this tournament? If it's any year, I think it's going to be this one. I'm going to hold that one. And that's only because I think that, again, you talk to the the, the strength of the ACC. Uh, if we can continue this growth that I've seen the past couple games and, and we can continue to get better, uh, Guerrier get better. Uh, I know that Jim Beheim, he talked a little bit about Bryson Godine. Uh, doing some good things in practice, and maybe it's just taking him a little while, but I know that I saw some things in Boston College. Some of the plays he made, only him and Elijah Hughes can make on this team. So um, I'm going to hold that just because uh, I do believe that they can actually play their way through the regular season into this tournament. But I will agree with the fact that this is probably the best chance, if any, to go into an ACC tournament and win it this year. I agree with that, too. Um, I'm going to sell, though. I don't think that they're going to need to do that if they keep showing me the improvement that they've been showing me. I think that they they probably still got one big upset left in them. I mean, you got a Louisville. I, I, Duke's at home. I don't know if that bodes well or not. But they always play each other tight. So, And like Bobby said, you know, I think the committee looks at good wins um, over bad losses. And not only that, but it's kind of like you almost look at more so the end of the year anyway. And um, getting to those games, I think we're going to be okay. I don't know if we can make a huge run in the ACC tournament, but um, winning a game last year was a start. I say we, <laughs> I say, <laughs> I say we, we maybe win a couple more this year. I think we got a good shot. I agree with that. I just don't know if they can do it, but I would still sell anyway. I still think they can get it done in the regular season. I'm going to buy because – 
The surest path to the NCAA tournament is definitely to win the ACC. <laughs> well, next. Oh, no, that's that's a true statement. There's no doubt about that. Touche. Uh, no, I, you know, lo- looking at it pragmatically, I mean, I think the best way is, you know, obviously to, you know, secure as many wins as possible. You know, you want to win every game, of course. Um, but I think, you know, the, the at Florida State, you know, the at Louisville and home against Duke, those are your best opportunities there. Definitely going to have to win at least one of those. Um, you can throw probably, I know John um, on the pod earlier, he, he threw NC State into that mix. So um, you get one or two of those and you're sitting pretty. And then you sort of take care of business against the games that you're supposed to win. And I think they can get back into it. Um, definitely on the outside looking in right now, but they can definitely get back into that discussion. Either um, way, the tournament helps you out just because you can knock off a couple more right. wins there. Like, exactly. yeah. going, definitely going in there and losing in the first game like they've done in the past uh definitely, oh yeah definitely a bad look <laughs> I mean, no so, doubt. yeah they need to win a couple yeah, at least. but usually you need to beat what two or three tournament teams to win that tournament right mm. and yeah, this year you're two, looking at yeah. you might be able to get away with beating only one ncaa tournament team and winning this tournament so sure to, to bobby's point that's probably the best year if you had a chance to just go mm. in and win it the, the playing field is level but the stakes are going to be higher because it's in greensboro here's the other I, real quick i think he takes it more seriously this year too because other years you go in there it's like ah whatever it's not like we're gonna go on a massive run in here if you go in with a chance i think there's a different coaching mindset to it as well yeah, yeah. greensboro it's only an hour away so joe you'll my, be my there. tickets no yep hey hey there we go all right, we'll get you guys out of here on the last one. Um, I know I heard I heard you guys mention it on the the pod earlier. Buddy Beheim becomes the best shooter in Syracuse mm. basketball history by Cell Hold. That's to me, John. huh? Um, uh, <laughs> it's so easy to buy all these, and it's so easy to sell them all too. So <laughs> that's what makes um, a good I'm buy. A, sell hold I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna use my hold and. Okay. And you know what? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. Mm. I'm going to buy. Ooh. But like Joe's, but like Joe said, and we haven't done this, Joe. Um, we wanted to compare his freshman season to McNamara's freshman season and give us a good gauge. I'm. I don't know where that's at. I haven't even looked yet. But I'm still going to buy just because this kid is so good. He's just such a natural shooter from out there. And um, he overcomes a lot. I mean, he didn't score a point in, in, then, in one half and then comes in and scores 25 in the other half. I mean, that's McNamara-like at the very least. So he's got a shot. So I'm going to say, I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna, I'll buy that right now. Just because I'm, I'm, I'm on a, a Syracuse high right now. So I'm, buying, <laughs> I'm on buy <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to sell. And that's just basically what he said. I don't know the numbers, but I would doubt that he hit as many threes his freshman year as McNamara. And he kept going. And McNamara played in many NCAA tournaments and carried us to an NCAA tournament himself pretty much through a Big East tournament. So uh, if you're talking about the amount, then I'm going to sell. Percentage, different story. All right. I'm going to say hold because I'll give him two more years to – play this out, rack up a ton of threes. I mean, this team's probably shooting more threes than they ever have before, even during that GMAC era. But keep an eye on the free throws, because that plays into it too. And he's been 78% his whole time here, which is a factor. Uh, I'll go. I'm going to hold as well. Um, I think 
by the amount GMAC at 400, I think in his career, that's, that's going to be tough for buddy to get to. Um, he's He'll currently, get the shots, uh... he will. <laughs> he's currently on pace to break the single season record. I think he'll shatter that. Um, current record I think is 112 by Andrew White so he's on pace to break that but as as you know Sean mentioned I don't think he got necessarily the the amount of looks that Jerry got his freshman year um, Jerry had a pretty long postseason career too if you think about it because yeah, he yeah. Did. six games his freshman year in the NCAA <laughs> as well as you know made the sweet 16 his sophomore year and then junior and senior year he won the Big East tournament so that's a lot yep. of extra games that he got under his belt yeah, yeah we won't bring up Vermont Nah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what happens? Huh? <laughs> Who's Vermont? So, I'll hold mm-hmm. for now. Uh, but thank you guys for for joining. Um, thank you guys. That was fun. You're one of my favorite guys on Twitter. So hey. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know anybody who's going to do snow? We <laughs> yes, we. One of these days we're going to hug James. One of these days we're going to hug. And maybe, maybe we'll all go down to the ACC <laughs> tournament with Joe and you know. Oh, then I'll have to go. <laughs> to go this, see Joe, it's just like, eh. Bobby, you want to come down? ACC tournament in Green I'll be there. If I get the cash, if I get the money, if I get the support of anybody, I'm there. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been holding the flag of Bobby winning the tournament Benmo. all year. I've been, I got to be there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, hey, you know what? I'll stay it. late. I'll stay late if we can and do, do court angels on something. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I'm you know, going. I want to get in. I want to get in on some of that. So. I'll take the pictures. <laughs> Seven o'clock tomorrow, Syracuse Notre Dame. This has been the Syracuse Basketball Podcast.